and you all have perfect church attendance. Give yourself a hand. <laughs> I haven't missed one Sunday yet this year. Hallelujah. Well, last week uh, was December 31st, and so Pastor Randy <clears throat> uh, gave us a great sermon on 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 11 and 12. In that, it was, says there, may God fulfill your every resolve. And that resolve is another word for making resolutions. And so he shared with us at the end and applying this passage on some resolutions for the church that we ought to strive for during this year. And that would be one, read the Bible. And he said, read the Bible until you change. Thank you, Pete. You got that. Uh, number two was pray. Pray always. Pray for others. He also said when the opportunity arises, somebody says, oh, will you pray for me? Pray with them right then. Amen? Amen. That's the way it works. For unity, ministry, and we pray for those who are hurting. The Bible says in Romans 12, 15, that we're to weep with those that weep. So when hard times come along, we should be there to pray for one another. He said in number three then, that every engage in good work of overcoming sin in your life that we want to be growing in Christ. We want to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, Ephesians 4, 15. He also said, uh, engage, number four, engage the church body, participate, small groups, get to know one another. It's kind of hard on Sunday morning, we're in and out, to, to spend some time with one another. So if you engage in a small group, and if you're here and you're not in a small group, uh, see one of the staff here, and we'll get, we'll get, you, we'll get you hooked up into a small group. And um, <clears throat> number five, he said that we all, not just the pastor, not just the leaders, have the responsibility to share the good news of Jesus Christ with people. Pray for somebody that you'll be able to talk to in the near future about Jesus and what he has done for all of us by dying on the cross. And number six, to contribute instead of being critical, to build up others and not to tear them down. And the purpose of all this was in the last verse there, verse 12, the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified. So those were the marching orders we got last year, December 31st, for this upcoming year. And I pray that we will all uh, take these to heart and, uh, and, and may they be part of our resolutions for 2018. Yeah, with all these noble, uh, noble intentions that we have, oh, we're going to be this, I'm going to be great during this year. I, my personal resolution was to be a man, more of a man of God in 2018, to be blameless and to be upright, to fear God and, and turn away from evil. And I actually got that from, uh, from Job uh, today, which we're going to be looking into. So if you have your Bible with you, either e-Bible or hard copy, go ahead and turn to the book of Job in the Old Testament. It's right before Psalms. So if you open up in the middle, you might find Psalms, and Job's right before that. And so that's my resolution, plus uh, actually applying these that Pastor Randy went ahead and encouraged with us. But you know what? You might have a, a great heart and a great attitude and say, I'm going to be that man of God, or I'm going to be that woman of God that he wants me to be. But guess what? distractions will come your way, even with the most noble intentions. Discouragements will come your way. Trials and tribulations. James 1, 12 says, blessed is he who in, uh, perseveres under trial. Perseveres under trial because when he has uh, passed the test, he received the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. So trials and tribulations, that's the expected. 
Jesus said in me, and we're in him, we have peace. Praise the Lord. In the world, we have tribulation. No, 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 no. Well, yep, that's the way it is. But he says, take heart. I have overcome the world. So despite having trials and tribulations and all these things that come with life, we can. And God expects us to be victorious in him. Amen? So let's make 2018 a great year. If we have rock badger wisdom, let the Lord be our fortress. If we have locust wisdom and we hang together in great numbers in the church, that comes from Proverbs chapter 30, we will persevere. Together by the grace and mercy of God, we will persevere. I want us to look this morning at one of the great heroes of faith. His name was Job. And it says about Job in the first verse of Job chapter 1, there was a man in the land of Oz whose name was Job. And that man was blameless and upright, the one who feared God and turned away from evil. And that's where I got my desire because I wanted to be like that. I want to fear God. I want to turn away from evil in my life. I want to be blameless and upright like Job. I don't necessarily want to endure the trials and tribulations that he endured because they're very, very intense. But if, if it's the Lord's will, whatever the Lord's will is. But I want to be a hero like him, a, a man of God that really um, stands up and is blameless and upright, fears God, and turns away from evil. So this morning we're going to look at his faith, his fight, that is spiritual warfare that he's in. Like Ephesians chapter 6 talks about spiritual warfare and his finish. I know we can be victorious if we stand together in 2018. So let's go ahead and um, let me go ahead and read these first uh, five verses to you. I already read verse 1, so let's start in verse 2. There were born to him seven sons and three daughters. He possessed 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 female donkeys, and had very many servants. So that this man was the greatest of all the people of the east. His sons used to go and hold a feast in the house of each one on his day. And they would send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. And when the days of the feast had run their course, Job would send and consecrate them. And he would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, it may be that my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did continually. Let's pray. Father, as we look now into your word, may you make it alive, the living and abiding word of God in each of our hearts that we may resolve in our lives to do your will in each of our own lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So we see Job's faith in these first five chapters. It begins with the story of Job, or I like to call it the historical account his story, and if I say that really fast, history, right? The word history. This is, a, this is a historical count. It was a real Job, and these things that happened to him were real events. And as you read the book of Job, you see God talking to them uh, and Job and his three friends throughout this. And at the end of Job, the last four chapters or so are amazing, uh, amazing uh, uh, statement by God as to who he is and what he has has done. 
So we see this account of Job. He was a very rich man from us. He had family, great family. He had a great farm. He had great fortune. He had great fame. And above all, above all, he had great faith. This is the testimony of Job. It says here that he had seven sons and he had three daughters. Now that's a, quite a nice family. <clears throat> In the Psalms 127, it talks about that children are a gift from the Lord, the New American Standard Version. How blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. And if you go back and read that passage there, it talks about that children are like arrows in the hand of a warrior. So if you're a warrior, it's nice to have a pouch, a quiver that is full of arrows, right? I mean, we don't think about that today, but people use bow and arrows. And so children are like, they're, they're good and useful to you if you have a lot of children. I mean, they can wash the dishes. They can help you with the farm stuff, clean up the animal remains and stuff, you know, all that good stuff. And so Job had a whole quiver full, seven sons and three daughters. Wow, family of ten kids. Job was really, really blessed. And he had a great farm, too, with all these animals, 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys. He had that sheep there, oh, lots of wool, lots of food, and what sheep can do for you, 3,000 camels. That was his uh, transportation business, Job's transportation business with the camels and the donkeys. And then he had 500 yoke of oxen. That's kind of like the John Deere of his ranch or the Case International, Dave, of his ranch. When Dave and Amy Case here, I said, your name is Case? I'm an Indiana boy, so I know these things. And I go, are you part of the company? And he goes, no. They do well. And so Job had these, these oxen that were his tractor, so to speak. And we're going to see later that they're going to be out plowing and he had donkeys for transportation as well, along with the camels. So he was really set up with a farm, with a ranch. And he had all these, um, these things to provide for him. He must have had a great property in order to, in order to uh, ha have all these animals doing their stuff. And of course, with all this, uh, there was no uh, doubt that he had some fortune um, just in the uh, livestock alone. And then he had great fame. It says there in verse um, 3, this man was the greatest of all the people of the East. Well, in that day, Job was a one-name person. You know, I'm Jim Wellson, so that's how you know me. I have to have two names. But there's people around today that they go by one name. Everybody knows who they are. And back then, Job on his Bonanza ranch, it was Job. Well, everybody knows Job. He was the greatest man among all the people of the East. Wow. And you know what? It's interesting. He had a name then, and because his story is in the historical account, is in the Bible, lots of people know Job today. That's a very, I mean, if you're new to the Bible, you might look up, and, oh, that guy's name is Job? No, no, he's Job. It's like my pastor in New Jersey, when I first got to New Jersey, he was a brand new pastor. And he was brand new to the Bible, and he went to Bible school and got trained, but he first got to Bible school, and he says, uh, this guy in the Old Testament by the name of Malachi. My pastor was Italian. He goes, Malachi? Oh, yeah, Italian guy in the Bible? And the instructor goes, his name is Malachi. 
And so Job's one of those names that people know. This is his story. He's a rich man from the land of Uz. But more to his story, more credit to his story, he was a man who feared God. So people ask me, what does it mean to fear God? So I tell him this. It's a deep reverence and awe that leads to a full love of God and obedience to him by faith and trust. A deep reverence and awe that leads to full love for God and obedience to him by faith and trust. So Job was one of these people that feared God. I, I, I'm, a, I'm on Facebook, and I have a lot of friends on Facebook. And in my little explanation of who I am, I said I'm a full-fledged follower of Jesus Christ. And some of my postings I put down about fearing God because that's a great thing for believers to do is to fear God like Job did, and, and uh, we should as well. And I've had some people blast me, what do you mean fear God? And then I would explain it to them, and, and people with hard hearts, they'd go like this, and people with hearts for the Lord, they'd go like this. So that's, uh, that's Job's uh, stories. And when he um, feared God, it led him to the next very logical thing of turning away from evil. The fear of the Lord is the hatred of evil. So we'll want to turn away from because God sees it as evil and horrible, an abomination to him. And we as Christians, we should see it the same way. Amen? Amen. Amen. And so that's what Job was like. So that's his story. Second, we see his spirituality here. Look at his testimony. Blameless and upright. Wow. Now, he had faith because he was upright? No. He had righteousness because he had faith. Like Abraham in Genesis 15, 6. Abram believed the Lord and God counted to him as righteousness. You see, we're not righteous on our own. We are unrighteous. We are. That's the way we are with our sinful nature. And when we have faith, faith in Christ today, we're in him, and he gives us his righteous standing. And then this whole fear of God, this whole love for God, we start to live this righteous standing out in a righteous life. And so Job was righteous because he had faith. That's the way it works. And so Job was blameless and upright. Blameless? <clears throat> what does that mean to be blameless? Every area of Job's life, his family, his farm, his finances, every area, his fame, every area, he would submit them to God. To God be the glory. God is the one that has given me this. This is not something I, I got on my own. The Lord has given me this. And so, that's what it meant. Every area of his life, he turned over to God. So he had the testimony of being a blameless and upright man. An excellent reputation, not a hypocrite. Proverbs 22.1 talks about, blessed is the man whose uh, name, whose name, Proverbs 22.1, it goes, let's see. A good name is more desired than great riches. To be esteemed is better than silver or gold in the NIV 84. So a great name, and he had this great name. He had this reputation. <clears throat> well, there was one that was going to try to change all that. We'll see that in a few moments. And then what did Job do in verses 3 through uh, 4 and 5? 
He had the seven sons, and there'd be a period of feasting. It probably lasted a week because it says here that um, they'd hold the feast in, in, in the house of each one on his day. Seven sons, seven days a week. Hey, nice to have a feast for seven days. Every son shared the shared the hospitality one day after, and they'd invite their three sisters with them, and they'd have this period of feasting. And what did Job do? He would sacrifice for him. He acted like the family priest. Now, a prophet represents God to the people. What I'm doing right now is I'm speaking the word of God to you, and that's what a prophet does. The word of God comes from him and goes to you, and it goes through the mouth of the prophet or the preacher. Pastor Randy does this every week for us. A priest, on the other hand, speaks for the people back to God and offers sacrifices for the people up to God. And so he was like the family priest. He'd offer these sacrifices all the time for his children, just in case, as he said, um, if it may be, in verse 5, my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Job did this continually. What a man of God. He loved his family. He was a spiritual leader of the family. And he, even though they were adults and, and out on their own and, and probably working on the ranch or whatever, he was there for them. He loved them. And he was the family priest for them. This was the testimony of Job. This is Job's faith, much to be admired. Amen? You think that's true? I do. Wow. He's one of my heroes of faith. Let's look secondly this morning on Job's fight. All right? Fight the good fight of the faith, the Bible says. And we're involved in spiritual warfare, the Bible says. It is written that we're involved in spiritual warfare. And it's been that way from the beginning, from the very beginning. God created Adam out of the dust of the ground. Then he created Eve from the rib of Adam, and they were there, and it was wonderful. They were innocent, and there was no sin. And, uh, and then here comes Satan. And he comes in the form of a serpent, Revelation chapter 12. And he puts a little seed of doubt in Eve's mind. Then he deceives Eve's mind. And then she goes and she, she uh, disobeys the Lord and she becomes a transgressor. And Adam, when she transgressed, was right there with her. A good husband would have stopped her. But that's a whole other sermon. We'll stop there. So in the days of... Uh, Let's see. Let's go to verse 6. We're going to look at verses. Let's go ahead and start all over again. Job's fight. Verses 6 through 12, first of all. Let me read those for you. Job 6, chapter 1, verses 6 through 12. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them. The Lord said to Satan, From where have you come? Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro on the earth and from walking up and down on it. And the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for no reason? Have you not put a hedge around him and his house and all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land, but stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, all that he has, all that he has, remember that, and he will curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your hand. Only against him do not stretch out your hand. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. We see Job's fight, and he doesn't even know about it yet. 
This is going on in heaven. This is the, the, um, the opening of this chapter in his life where there's going to be great trial and tribulation. This is the prologue, if you will. What's going on in heaven, the spiritual things going on in heaven and even around us, we don't even know about until they actually strike home. And so this was just another day. Uh, the sons of, um, well, well, we'll get to that later. Okay, so what does it say here? Verse 6, the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. They went to the Lord. We're talking angels here. God's angels are messengers. They go out and do his work, and they're watchers, and, and they're involved in, in ministry, and they go up and report to God, and they're all there. And it says that, and that's good. That's good, uh, accountability. And then Satan came among them. Now, do you think Satan was coming for good to check in? No, he was coming for trouble. That's what Satan always does. And we see here the Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? And Satan says, well, I've been all around the earth, uh, to and fro and up and down. And, and guess what happens here is that, that God initiates this. Do you see that? Verse 8, God boasts about his man, Job. I wonder if he's boasting about you, Francis. I think he is. Francis is doing good, walking with the Lord and growing. I'm proud of you, brother. And I would hope that someday when we all stand before the Lord, all us at Kahului Baptists, he will say to each of you, Mike, Dacia, well done, good and faithful servants. Oh, that'd be my prayer for each of you, that that would be the response of God when you stand before him to give account of your life. And you know, I'll be back there, one of those rows in the back, standing up and go, Hallelujah, way to go, Mike! And I probably should be quiet, but that's who I am. Have you considered my servant Job? There is none like him. A proud father of his son. There is none like him in all the earth. Blameless and upright man. Who fears God and turns away from evil. Now you know why I've tried to get this into my own life. This is amazing stuff here. The testimony and the reputation of Job. Amazing stuff. Then, of course, Satan was right there to cause some trouble. The accuser, Satan, the devil, the adversary. He's the one that's going to poke like this and do what he can. He's anti-God and anti-Christ. He was a beautiful, beautiful angel. Read Isaiah 14, Ezekiel 28, and it talks about his origins. And then he rebelled against God because of the word that we have, P-R-I-D-E, pride. A five-letter word that revolves, if it spins around the middle letter, it's I. When I preach on Isaiah 14, I say that what we have is the letter I, disease. And that's what took Lucifer down. And Satan, as we know him, wicked, evil, wants to destroy. That's who he is. So he brings up the point about Job. Does Job fear God for no reason? Have you not put a hedge around him and his house and all that he has? On every side, you have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. 
Well, look at Job. He's got this amazing family. He's got this amazing farm. He's got this amazing, um, make sure I got it right here. Fame, fortune, faith. He has all this because you've blessed him so much, Satan is saying to the Lord. But stretch out your hand, Satan says to the Lord, and touch all that he has, and he will curse you to, his, to your face. I was on a business trip from New Jersey. I worked at the Army Electronics Command, and I was going out to Seattle area. We've got some Seattle people here today to Fort Lewis. And I took a trip, and I landed in Chicago and took the second leg of the trip from Chicago to Seattle. By the way, I'd never seen a mountain in my life until I landed. And I landed at night, and I didn't see Mount Rainier until the next day. And I got in the car and went, whoa. I'd seen some East Coast hills, but nothing like Mount Rainier. So I'm talking to this guy next to me on the airplane. By the way, that's a great place to witness. They have no place to go. They're stuck next to you. And of course, you want to do it nice. So I was nice, and I started bringing up Jesus to this man, and all of a sudden, all aimed at me, but aimed more at the Lord than me. And I said, what's the matter? And he says, I used to believe in God. I don't believe in God. If he's there, I hate him. He has taken in the last six months my wife and my mother. Well, I can understand why his heart is full of sorrow and grief. Amen, we understand that, right? But is it God's fault? And this man was just like what Job, uh, Satan was saying about what Job would do. He would curse God to his face if God took that away from him, all that he has. Anyway, I kind of was quiet. I didn't want to disturb a, a, the whole airplane. And I started to pray for the man. We landed in Seattle. And of course, I was in the middle seat. He was in the aisle seat, so he got out first. He reached down to pick up his briefcase. And as he picked up his briefcase, he put it on the seat, and there was his name and address. So I'm going. When I finally got back to New Jersey after the trip, of course, I wrote it down so I wouldn't forget it. I wrote the man a letter. I just poured my heart out to him. I don't know whatever happened. Hopefully, maybe someday he'll come up to me in heaven and said, thank you. Thank you. I listened to what you said about how God really is. I don't know. Anyway, that was what Job said, excuse me, Satan said that Job would respond to once Satan had the ability to take all that he has. And then at the end of that, verse 12, the Lord said to, to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your hand. You see, Satan is an evil one, but he can only do so much evil. He is like a dog on a leash. I had a dog, a golden retriever, but he was raised by a, um, a wicked person, let's put it that way. And my dog was ferocious. He was trained to be a fighting dog. Golden retriever, you think... Uh, Who's afraid of a golden retriever? You'd be afraid of this golden retriever. He could flash some mean teeth. And I didn't know this. The guy says, will you take my dog? Okay, we'll take your dog. Whoa, we're in for a surprise. He was ferocious. 
He could flash some mean teeth. I don't even know why I got that. It'll come back to me. Okay, let's move on. If it comes back to me, you'll get it. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. Round one, the fight in heaven had already started. Let's go to round two on earth, verses 13 through 17. So if you put those up, I'll go ahead and read those. Now there's a day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And there came a messenger to Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the donkeys were feeding beside them and the Sabaeans fell upon them took them and struck down the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. So here we have the evil one, the devil, using this Sabaean people who were from the region of Sheba and, um, and using them. So Satan is now using all his resources. And I want to read to you something here. To, to go ahead and attack attack Job. It comes from Ephesians chapter 1, excuse me, chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Talking about the Ephesian Christians. You were, once they were, you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air. We're talking about Satan here. The spirit that is now work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath like the rest of mankind. So Satan employed his group of Sabaeans, children of disobedience, him being the, the prince of the power of the air, and he uses them, he engineers them to make an attack on Job's, on Job's, uh, uh, let's see, what's Job's, uh, oh, his oxen, as they were out plowing, and the donkeys as they were feeding next to them. And they came, swift, sudden, strong, and they attacked and made war against part of Job's ranch, and all of a sudden, his servants that were overseeing that were dead, and all the the, um, oxen and donkeys were taken, What a horrible day that was. What a horrible day that was. A big calamity. He lost a major part of his farm, his ranch. That one servant escaped, and he came and told Job this. Oh, can you imagine how how brokenhearted he was, how much sorrow and grief? But yet that was only the beginning. That's the first of three attacks against his farm, against his ranch. And it goes on to say, while he was yet speaking, verse 16, while he was still speaking, there came another and said, The fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them, and I alone have escaped to tell you. So the fire of God from heaven, lightning, a thunderstorm. So Satan engineered a big storm, a thunderstorm, and brought lightning, and the lightning struck, and it turned the dry fields into a raging wildfire, and it encompassed all the sheep, and, and they were burned up, and the servants were caught in that. I lived in California for most of my adult life, and we saw these things. We saw uh, lightning strikes that started wi- uh, wildfires, forest fires, and, and field fires. And, 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 and it's terrible. It's bad. And Job lost all his sheep. 
this past year, I lived most of my adult life in, in, in one place in Oroville, California. And back in about this time last year, they had heavy rains throughout the winter, and all of a sudden, the dam filled up, and the emergency spillway started to fail, and the other backup spillway beside that started to fail. And so they, they evacuated about 200,000 people from Oroville down through Sacramento to get away from the, um, the river so that in case the dam failed completely and there would be a huge flood. So my son in Oroville was one of those people that needed to be evacuated. He goes to a church there, and the pastor of the church lives up above the dam. And so a number of people went to the church, uh, the pastor's house, and they camped out in his yard. Now, this is California. It's not Minnesota where it's, like, freezing. And so, wow, how wonderful that the pastor was really a hero that day. Well, advance the clock six months. Guess what? It's summer. It's dry. Boom, wildfires over all of California, some of them, unfortunately, from evil people, but some of them from lightning strikes. And so the whole area where the pastor's house was, there was a fire on that hill, and guess what? It engulfed his house and burned down his house. Wow, you just never know what's going to happen. Floods and fires and crazy weather. Seems like some norm these days. That's what happened to Job's sheep and his servants. The devil engineered that. Well, oh my word, two calamities at once. How can most of us can't handle one calamity? Amen. And then you got two at once. Sometimes we face that, but it's not over yet. Sudden, swift, strong. Here comes calamity number three. Just like the first calamity, Satan is using some people. In this case, it's called the Chaldeans. Verse 17. While I was Yet speaking, there came another and said, The Chaldeans formed three groups and made a raid on the camels and took them and struck down the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped. His whole farm livestock, boom, gone. And three attacks from Satan, all that he has. Oh, you know, those things can be replaced. We tell each other that. You know, when you lose something, those things can be replaced. Boy, Job's fight was in full, full, um, ongoing fighting at that point. So we see Job's fight. And lastly, let's finish with Job's finish. Satan's final blow in verses 18 and 19. Removing the farm from him was not enough. Satan wanted to go to all that Job had well, it says in verse 18, While he was yet speaking, there came another and said, Your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house. Just another feast week. Happened to be the first day. It was at the older brother's house, most likely. And they're having a great time, like they always do, unaware of all this other stuff that's going on on the ranch. And then look what it says. And behold, a great wind came across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house and it fell upon the young people and they are dead. And the one servant escaped, the messenger escaped and tells Job this. Can you imagine Job and his wife with all this news, four calamities, bam, bam, bam. And the worst of all, they lost their beloved children. I know... <clears throat> It would be immeasurable grief, immeasurable sorrow. I saw a little bit of this. 
I was an adult child at this point, but my brother, who was in high school, uh, died in a car accident in the January of um, his senior year. And I went home for the funeral. I saw my mom. My mom was just taken down to the ground with grief. Woe is me kind of grief. That was one child. And rightly so. Amen? Rightly so. But can you imagine losing all your children? All of them that you prayed for, that you raised, that you loved, and you put your heart into them, and you're so proud of them. All of them? Not to even speak of all the stuff from the ranch that he lost. Oh, this was a horrible, 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 I could go on for another hour, horrible day in Job's life. That was the final blow, Job's, Job's fourth law. But look how he finished in the last couple of verses. Verse 20, look at this. Then Job arose. He tore his clothes. He did that out of the expression of his grief, his extreme grief. He shaved his head. Now, some of us shave our heads for other reasons. But man, he humbled himself that day. He shaved his head. He's not going to look handsome and cool and all that stuff. That's the last thing he's thinking of right now. In his grief, he shaves his head. What did you shave your head for, sir? Let me tell you. Let me tell you a story. But look what it says next. Those are, those are common response in great grief. And he fell on the ground and he what? Worshipped. Now the word in the Hebrew can be you know, you prostrate yourself down the ground like this. But most of the time in the Old Testament, that is translated as worshipped. And based upon what Job now says, I believe that to be accurate. He worshipped God. Here's Job, blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. And he worships God in the worst, horriblest day of his life. And the man I met on the airplane, yeah, he had a right to be angry, uh, upset and brokenhearted because he'd lost his wife and his mother in the last six months. But he was doing this. And how many people do this at God? I have another brother. He was in the movie Rudy. If you watch the movie Rudy, and the, number, the, foot, the fullback on the Notre Dame team in the movie, my brother was a semi-professional football player, a running back, and they hired him to be the fullback in the movie. So he's number 32, I think, and you'll see him a lot in the movie if you look close in the, in the scenes. And anyway... Um, he was involved in a motorcycle accident in 2004. Wasn't wearing a helmet. For those of you who ride motorcycles, you should wear a helmet. Hit his head against a tree. It was almost like he had a severe stroke because where he hit his head, the other side of his body hit the right side of his head. The whole left side of his body was pretty much went from a 10 to a 1. Maybe that's the best way I can explain it. And he's still a very handicapped man today and needs uh, 20, well 24-hour care for the most part. That was, a, that was a, a bad day in our life. And my, son, my, my brother was in a coma for almost two and a half months or so. And we happened to um, be there when he first happened and waited. And then when he, he came out of the coma, he could remember a lot of stuff. And we weren't sure how he was going to be at that point. And so some Christians talked to him and led him to the Lord. And I went, yay! I didn't know my, Jack, my brother Jack said, if God heals me. 
understandable. I need help. I'll go to the, the big guy, and the big guy will bless me and heal me. And it didn't happen. And then it wasn't too much longer on that, later than that. You know what my brother did? I went back to Indiana for a vacation. I was living in California at that time. I begged and pleaded with him. I'd already witnessed my heart out to him before on the eighth hole of a golf course. Came back the next time to vacation. And I said, I'm going for a walk. Anybody want to go with me? And Jack says, you're the last man I want to go on a walk with. <laughs> so I'm going to hit him up with the gospel again and again and again. So my brother went like this. You think maybe Job would have done this. And I don't think my brother's changed his heart or his attitude yet. He blamed God for it all. All of it. Angry. Mad. Hated God. I think he's still the same way today. Not Job. He bowed down in worship. And look what he said. Naked I came from my mother's womb. Naked I shall return. You know, Paul told Timothy, we came with nothing and we can't take anything out. You start with zero and you end up with zero. That's the way it is. Job understood the big picture. And then he says, the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. You know, everything we have comes from God. He made it all, and he, he uses us as stewards, and he gives you things like a wife and some children and, and some stuff, and, and, and he's given us the church, and he's given us the Word of God, and he's given us the Holy Spirit. This is the best time ever to live on this planet. We, in, as Christians, are indwelt and sealed with the Holy Spirit till the day of redemption. Hallelujah! Wow! That's amazing. David said, take not thy Holy Spirit from me. We don't have to say that. That's Psalm 51. We don't have to say that. We are blessed. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Then he says, blessed be the name of the Lord. In the bottom of the, the, bottom of the valley, in the very bottom of the valley, in the darkest of the night, he said, blessed be be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. What a man. His faith was genuine. His faith was tried and proven good and solid, a man of God. Look at 22. How do I know that what I'm saying is an accurate representation of that? Verse 22, in all this Job did not sin. Thus says the Lord. This is written by the Holy Spirit of God. In all this Job did not sin. Let's give Job a little clap offering here. Just a baby one. Or charge God with wrongdoing, like my brother Jack did. Like the man on the airplane on the way to Seattle did. It's God's fault. Do you know, hopefully we've all got really, really, really good intentions for 2018. Oh, we want to be that people of God. We want to make Kahului Baptist great and, and, and love Jesus and be a wonderful witness, blameless and upright, fearing God and shun evil. And our, this is the first Sunday. You've got perfect church attendance. Your hearts are all fired up for Jesus. But during this year, there's going to be some distractions come and trials and tribulations come. How are you going to respond my prayer is that we would all be like Job. Amen? And if you, or when you get to that situation, you might want to come back here and read Job chapter 1. By the way, 
Satan was on a short lease. You can, have, you can do whatever you want with all that he has. Satan comes back in chapter 2 when Job fails this persecution that Satan put in there. And Satan says, but I'd like to do more. And God says, oh, okay, you can now touch his body and read the first 10, chap- 10 verses or whatever in chapter 2, and you can see it again. And Job passes that test too. Will we pass the test this year? You know what? If we have the locust wisdom and we hang together, Proverbs chapter 30, if we have the, the rock badger coney mentality and we are, our, our foundation is in the Lord, we will pass. My prayer for you is that you will live up to what God would have you to be in the year of 2018. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the, how you have blessed us and blessed us and blessed us. And many of us here today are excited about a new year and a new start, a fresh start where we can live for you and bring you, bring you praise and glory and honor in everything by our lives. But we're smart enough to know, Lord, that trials and tribulations will come. Our Lord said in me, you have peace. But in the world, we have tribulation. Take heart, I have overcome the world, he said. So let us be like Job and trust in you all the way through, no matter what comes our way. Brother, sister, if that's your heart's desire, would you say to the Lord right now, I want to be like Job. And whatever comes my way, I will stand firm in the faith. I will fear you, Lord. I will turn away from evil, Lord. I want to live a blameless and upright life in 2018. Will you help me? Brother, sister, if there's some sin in your life right now, some sin pattern, some sin habit, you need to fix. Fix it now. We're going to take the Lord's Supper here in a few minutes. And and we don't want to come here and, and, and polluted by a sinful attitude. So confess it right now and forsake it, if you will. And maybe you're here today, you don't know Jesus as your Savior. He died. He gave his very life for you on the cross to pay for your sins. Turn from your unbelief. Turn to belief in him and receive him. That's what the Bible says. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved for salvation. Call upon the Lord right now. Surrender your will to his. Receive Jesus. And brother or sister, if you're here today and you've never been baptized, we invite you. We will be glad as Kaluwe Baptist Church to, invite, to, to baptize you and bring you into a membership so that we can hold each other accountable. If you're here and you've done that but you've never joined us, we'd love to have you join us here. Pastor Randy's thrills to see people join the church and, and be accountable to one another. Father, whatever is going on in our lives, you know. Oh, Make us the people you want us to be. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.